Welcome to Nachiyami. Today we begin Sefer Shoft. And the way it works is from Monday to Friday, we do a quick um, recording and we learn together a summary of each parak in Nach. And we do think about a few points to ponder, some deeper thoughts. And occasionally I'm going to be sending our guest posts who are going to be writing on some of the topics in more depth that we're covering um, on a daily basis. So here we go. Sefer Shoftim is going to be a, um, we're going to finish within the next month. It is, it is jam-packed with narratives, with stories. It is really an incredible up and down all the way through. So let's, let's jump straight in. We start off Sefer Shoftim with really what sounds like a number of similar incidents to that which was in Sefer Yoshua, but it is quite different. It first starts off by a question. Israel says, okay, now we need to continue the conquest. Yoshua is dead. How do we continue? So the, 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 the lottery or the, 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 the Hashem's response, which is via the Urim V'tumim, via the divining agents of the Urim V'tumim, um, tells them that Yehuda should be the first tribe to go up. And they go and fight. And it talks about the conquest of Yehuda. One of the interesting conquests it talks about is how they conquer Bezek. And the person who's in charge of Bezek is a person called Adoni Bezek. That's the name of a king, is Adoni Bezek. And um, they capture him and they cut off his thumbs. And as he languishes in pain, he, um, he says, you know, I used to have the thumbs of so many of my enemies used to be under my table. When I would, uh, when sort of 70 thumbs would, of my enemies used to be under my table. Very strange story and he dies then. And then it goes on to describe the rest of the conquests of Yehuda in the Negev. In the, he helps Shimon conquer Tzfat. And then there, there's a repetition of a story we've actually seen before in Sefer Yoshua, where, where Kalev wants to conquer the land of Devir or Kiryas Sefer. And he makes a wager for it that whoever can conquer it will marry his daughter Achsa. And Osniel ben Knaz is the person who does it. And they together, Achsa and Osniel beg for more land and more water. We have to think about why the story is repeated. We go on to talk about how the Bnei Kani, those are the children of Yisra, come and settle in the lands of Yehuda in a safety, and the rest of the conquest of Yehuda. Then there's a little bit of a turning point, something we actually haven't seen really explicitly up till now, and that is, it says that, Yosh, that Yehuda was able to conquer the, the hills, but they weren't able to conquer the Shvela, that's the coastal plain as much, because they had chariots, which means that there was a military edge to those who lived on the plains, because that's where the chariots can ride, not in the mountains. And that means to say we've seen the first turning point where it wasn't working out. And in, in the same line, they were, they, although they did conquer the outskirts of Yerushalayim, they weren't able to penetrate deep into Yerushalayim, and the Yavusi held their place there. On that line, we go now move on to the next layer, layer of conquest, which is Yosef. And there's a whole long story about how Yosef sends spies to the city called Luz, and how they conquer it from, uh, they conquer it from the, the Chitim. Now, it is interesting that if we follow this through later in Tanakh, that Luz is actually reconquered. Luz does not stand the test. The only city that we know that Yosef conquers is the city Luz, and it's not so simple that he actually keeps it. So it's kind of like a very bit of a disappointing discussion. And then it continues. The end of the paragraph really talks about every possible begins with the following words, Veloi Harish, and they did not succeed in conquering. Veloi Harish Menashe, Menashe did not succeed in conquering those around him. Asher Lo Harish, Zvulun Lo Harish, Naftali Lo Harish, um, all these nations did not conquer the people around them. And it talks about how, in fact, not only they did not conquer them, how the Amorites and the Prezites start pushing back into Israelite territory. And, um, and when they push back into the territory, the end, the Perik ends with, by, by saying that, that, that Israel, when they managed to get control back, they just put taxes on their neighbors. And this ends the Perik. So there are a lot of things to think about over here in, as, we, as we enter this. Number one. The Malwe points out that the very first verb in this entire Sefer is the word Vayishalu, and they asked. 
This is when Yehuda was, or Israel was asking, who's going to conquer first? This verb only appears one time in the whole book of Yehoshua, asking, and that was when it came to the Givonites. But other than that, there was no real asking or question marks in Sefer Yoshua because they were living at a time of clear divination, of clear what we know, what, what should be. The fact that they're asking already shows us this book is starting where there's lack of clarity. We don't know who's going up. And in lieu of that, it is interesting to note that this is the first time we're seeing one tribe going out by itself. Before, it was all of Israel conquering as one army. Now we start seeing vassal states conquering. We don't see the all of Israel coming together. Already, just in the first paragraph, we're seeing a real difference to what was happening up till now and now. One other thing just to think about as a point to ponder in this parak is when we look at the, the, the thumb cutting of Adoni Bezek. That's a little strange. I mean, is that the kind of, that's the kind of hallmark of what it means to be a Jew when, when, when fighting an army? Very strange. You know, obviously it's a very practical measure because you can't hold a sword without an opposing thumb. Just one of these practical things. So obviously it, it, it emasculates them. They're no longer able to be a fighting threat. But really, is this the kind of way that we do this? So, um, um, the, this, uh, the Tanakh does point out it is Mira Kenege Mira. This is a very cruel fellow. He did this to many of his enemies. And so this was why it was done um, to him. But nonetheless, that doesn't explain why it is that they did that. So Raul Bag says that in a, in a sort of com a compromise that there must have been a divine... There must have been divine assistance known that they were making an example of him to put instill fear in the rest of the people because otherwise it doesn't make sense. It's not the pattern that we see emerging or that we want to replicate when it comes to dealing with our enemies. Um, this is what the Ral Bag says. Finally, just to, to appreciate the end of the Perak, when we look at the end of the Perak and we see all these lack of conquests in the north, all the tribes who tried but kind of did not get that far, the Malbin points out something very simple, and that is even when they do succeed, they don't kick them out, they don't kill them. What do they do? They put taxes. And taxes works for a certain amount of time until the, 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 the repressed rebel, and then it's going to continue into in, in that cycle. So we're seeing even in their successes, they're not really utilizing their power to the fullest. This begins the, the start of a very sad cycle, which already we can see is diverging from what we've seen in the golden years of Yosha. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.